0: Forty minutes maximum before. Um, that's Belgian time, eh? Yeah, yeah. So it's five o'clock. Yes. Five o'clock London. Yes, <laughs> Yes. Um, so um, all questions from anything that uh, any of us have been talking about—Rudy, Peter, Professor, any, 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 any question at all—doesn't uh, need to be restricted to what we were talking about. Do uh, you think we'll see uh, an end? Of- interest rate
1: on fiat? A? A negative interest rate on fiat in the coming years. Uh, in real terms, yes. Real terms, yes.
0: So I understand the Swiss? The negative. Yes. yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Negative fiat rates, Professor. Do you think that we'll see those?
1: Uh, no. 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 Um, professor, may I... Just one quick word. There is a... I'm not saying yes or no. There is a paper by a man called William Buter, and he's, he has written a specific paper on um, how to overcome the zero lower bound, which means negative interest rates on fiat. W. Buter, you can look. You can look it up on, on NBER paper, National. Zero economic research. W. Buter and uh, three ways to overcome the zero bound lower rates. Now, I'm not at this stage. The professor doesn't see um, negative well, rates. Even zero rate. I don't. Well, zero rates, but probably, probably this man was looking at real rates. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. can remember can't remember the correct <coughs> the correct wording. Mm.
2: All right, now um, you have to remember that uh the rate of interest is um, is um, <coughs> The real rate of interest is a, an abstraction which which has no significance. I mean, you have to calculate the rate of inflation and this and that and that. Good luck. Is, yeah, that's right. Good luck. No, no. Uh, zero rate of interest is very convincingly excluded by Mises. You just have to read mm-hmm. Mises on that. I, I subscribe to it. It's, it uh, it's not possible. It's not possible to have zero rated. Now what is happening is this. People are confusing uh, arithmetic with logarithmic Uh, arithmetic. Because you say that if you decrease the rate of interest by X, then after so many steps you reach zero and you go negative. But that's not what is happening. You are cutting the interest rate into half. And then you cut again into half and cut again into half. And that can continue indefinitely. And you still have a positive rate, okay? So people make a confusion that you keep subtracting from the rate of interest. That's not what's happening. I mean, in 1980, interest rates went as high as safe, 16%, and they were cut into half, that's 8%, cut into half again, that's 4% cut into half again, 2%, and you keep doing that, 1%, half a percent, quarter of a percent, and so on, but you never reach zero that way. However, every cutting into half is deflation. That's what people don't see. When you cut the interest rate into half, whether you started from 16 or 1 or one half, doesn't matter because cutting into half is uh, basically, it takes a longer argument to uh, make the case waterproof, but I'm suggesting it to you, cutting the rate of interest into half is a huge deflationary step. It has the effect of decreasing the velocity of a circulation of money so that's the way I approach it it's uh, negative interest is 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 crazy this never happened never will happen if you try to mess it up with real interest and this and that that's just making it more confusing at least I don't believe in that just follow up on that I, there could be situations in which uh, saving is penalized so much that
1: people are said uh, to invest in, in entrepreneurial pro- uh, projects that uh, give, <coughs> actually loses, as long as they don't lose too much. So
2: th- those kind of cases, you could uh, speak about some rate right, for real money,
0: You could be penalized on your savings such that oh, you, know, you want to exchange yeah. it for... Enterprise, you know. Um, I think that that will happen regardless of the interest rate going to zero. Um. It's, it's
2: an normal situation. It's mm. not. It's not a natural state. Mm. Governments can stop the market that much. Mm. <clears throat> Any more questions? Now, go for going negative is a different story altogether. Because if you look at GoFo, you can formulate it also as somebody has borrowed dollars putting up gold collateral. Now this person changed his mind because he sees that this was a foolish thing to do, which, which yeah. is the case, mm-hmm. right? putting up gold collateral and getting paper and he may never see the gold ever again. So this person who put up the gold as collateral on a dollar loan wants to get his gold back. Well he can. He can go to the bank and say, all right, what do you want me to do in order for you to release? And then the bank will say, okay, first of all, you will repay the loan. Of course, the guy was prepared for that. And and that's okay. But there will be a penalty, and that's the negative go-for. That's the way you should look at the negative go-for. It's, it's uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people say it means that the bank will pay you for borrowing. (laughs) I mean, that's a fairy tale. It never (laughs) happens. But the bank will get you if you want to take your collateral back. Will will uh, squeeze you. (coughs) Will nail you. Try that if you didn't believe. And that's what negative go for means.
0: Um, I've I've heard that um, banks such as um, JP Moore, for example are busy um, rewriting client contracts um, to uh, allow them to settle allocated gold positions in cash. Mm -hmm. Um, If that's the case then, then people who hold gold in certain banks will be at risk because they think they hold their gold but actually the bank has the right to to substitute that gold for cash at any time. It's being rewritten or not only there, I mean, at uh, Holland, a few Dutch banks, you know, so, they're all coming up with other clauses that they can basically get out of having to give your gold to you. So, uh, it had to happen, I think, and it's going to only increase going forward. All all allocated accounts um, are still at risk, you know, because even the way that you allocate gold is different from bank to bank. You know, Um, allocated is just a an idea to some banks, and the actual bar behind it can change. So you might think you've got allocated a bar, and that is your bar until you sell it, but. uh, it might not be the same bar next time. You check the inventory, you know. I mean, so there are all kinds of shenanigans going. On. I'm just say something. Mm-hmm. I
2: go to the board. Okay.
0: So um, yeah, you have to be very careful about how and who you own your your gold with going forward. Very
1: very careful. Especially J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. Are there any institutes that that you
0: view as? Uh, Reputable for holding gold with or buying gold from. Mine. You've got details on your USB stick. Uh, um, Yes. No, not really. Um, No, not any of the uh, major banks. No, I wouldn't. uh, I wouldn't.
1: But but. uh,
0: In terms of buying physical as well, for delivery,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the sort of um, coin dealers that you can find online and uh, buy by post, and I can't remember the other names, but uh, I mean, are these sort of uh, programs that, that you believe in and, and that you would trust these companies as well? And what, to deliver gold? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, if they're saying they're selling you gold, then I wouldn't but I'd get the gold though, I wouldn't leave it with them, you know. uh, Make sure the gold is as close to you as possible.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, uh, there is a stunning little book, a booklet, with the title Gold Scam, and uh, I think it was written by a team, all the members of the team belong to the Stansbury Investment Advisory (laughs) Group. It's a a, a very interesting uh, group. It operates out of Baltimore in the United States and uh, the message in this little booklet is that nobody can overestimate the amount of gold, paper gold, which is held by the general public backed by hot air only. So that means not just unallocated gold accounts, but even allocated, because who knows? I mean, you think you hold allocated gold, as a lot of people mm. do, but the banks have hundreds of ways of fooling you, and if you go there and say, okay, show me where my gold is, they will certainly show you some gold, <laughs> yes. and then you say, okay, but let me check the serial number. The banks know how to... Produce the bar with the same serial number. I mean, it's just incredible. According to this, now, it's not my word, don't take my word for it, because you have to read this little booklet. He says it's just a, a fantastic scam, the like of which never ever happened in history. And, and serious people. Millionaires, millionaires, also institutions, pension funds, you know, hold paper gold in the belief that it exists and maybe less than 1% of this paper gold uh, <coughs> is backed by real gold. Nobody knows, but the chances are that it's just infinitesimal. Now at one point this will become known, that such gold doesn't exist. And in fact, he enumerates a number of proofs for that. Because there are some statistics how much so-called allocated gold is held by the various bullion banks and other institutions And if you add it up, you come up with a huge figure and you can find that actually in 10 years, the gold mines won't produce that amount of gold. So what is happening, and you should be able to tell our audience more than I can, is that all the gold is covered with, with some kind of future contract. And they even take care that maturities will be back. But once you pass a certain threshold of velocity, as, as this backing for paper gold changes hands, the system breaks down, not obviously, but it just physically cannot work that fast. I mean, just imagine that this is gold and it's backing uh, some allocated gold deposit and then it it keeps moving. This whole thing reminds me of the uh, true story that how wildcat banks operated in Scotland maybe in the 17th century, I'm not sure when it was, but uh, there were two carriages in those highways in, in the Scottish Countryside, probably in rather poor condition. The first carriage carried gold, okay, and it stopped at every bank on the way, and the gold was deposited in this bank. The second carriage carried bank inspectors, <laughs> so they arrived check the books, and uh, where is the gold? They showed the book. Okay, so they were ready to go. But by that time, the gold was reloaded in the first carriage and went ahead to the next bank. And this kept going, you know? And that's apparently a true story. It wouldn't surprise me that, uh, that it, it, it you know. But that's what, what's going on today, at a much larger scale. So you you might be satisfied that look these guys at the London Bullion Markets Association they don't lie. You just said that, right? <laughs> they don't lie. It's, it's well, sure they don't. It's just that the. The gold moves so much faster that there's no chance for you to lie because it's, 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 soon enough it will circulate with the speed of light. I mean.
1: There's no defense
2: uh, against fraud. No, no. The uh, uh, hackers are way, way ahead of official uh, and individual. So, the, really, the bottom line is that unless you have your gold in hand, yes. uh, you don't really have it. Yes. You don't really have it. You just have to dig a hole in your own garden very thin. Yes. Sorry, it's too bad, but that's the way it is. Then nobody, absolutely nobody, can be trusted when it comes to gold, okay?
0: There's a similar story with the Bank of England, Professor. When there was when there there was a, a tightness on the bank, the bank would get its employees to form the vast majority of the queue. <laughs>
2: so
0: when they when they were withdrawing, you know, they'd go back to the back, back of the queue just to deposit it again. You know, <laughs> so real members of the public couldn't occupy the queue. Basically, and, um,
2: the public was. Yeah, everything was <laughs> look at all of these people getting it, their gold and silver. So, uh, <laughs> <so happy. laughs> that's that's the sad situation. And the world will wake up at, on one day. We don't know when, but the people will find out. And, and that will be a sad day for the world economy, because uh, I mean uh, today's Keynesian economists, so gold what? Passé. Uh, uh, Anti-diluvian uh, barbaric relic. It, serious people don't pay any attention to these uh, uh, superstitious uh, symbols and so on. Well. Mm-hmm. The world will be surprised because when it becomes clear that a lot of gold doesn't exist except as a piece of paper, without any backing, then a lot of wealth will disappear, go up in smoke. And not just the gold which you thought you had, but also other wealth. It's like a chain reaction or dominoes. Lined up, and you push one, and then it goes through, and all, all fall down. It's uh, that's kind of a calm game going on in the world.
0: <coughs> Any more questions? Just in regards to cryptocurrencies, what mm-hmm. um, would a, a cryptocurrency satisfy um, yourselves if it was actually backed by gold and silver? Not me. Not you. Uh, backing a currency by gold to me doesn't mean anything. Backing a dollar, backing a pound by gold doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, a pound is gold or it's nothing, you know. I mean, um, so this philosophy of backing things, it's like, you want people to concentrate on the name and you do devious things with the backing, I mean, it's like, it wouldn't, uh, but that's just me.
2: Aristotle set up the uh, axiom or um, theory that, one object cannot be present two different places at the same time. Now the history of central banking is a, is a giant, it's, it's a scientific effort to disprove <laughs> Aristotle, because when it comes to gold You can pretend that gold can be present simultaneously in two different places or in two different balance sheets. All you have to do is make the uh, uh, central bank issue a gold deposit certificate. And then the gold deposit certificate can play the same role as gold itself almost indefinitely, almost, but not quite forever. I mean, almost indefinitely is not the same as forever. Because the temptation, well, one reason, there might be several, the temptation is to issue more and more. And then it would immediately multiply the amount of gold which people believed are in existence uh, several fold, hundredfold, or whatever, and at one point the truth will come out, and that is a terrible moment for the world to come.
0: So all trade will be in bullion, physical. So all trade will
2: be against bullion at that point, if there is oh, any. Well, I I wouldn't go as far as that. Uh, You know, the most credible paper gold is the real bill, which I, in my latest writings, called gold bill, because it is matched by, the, the bill moves in this direction, And the underlying good, which is semi-finished good, and the various traders add something to it to make it a finished good ready for the market. So this has to happen within 90 days. And as long as it does, the thing comes out in the consumer goods market, and the consumers are waiting for it, and they buy it for the gold coin. Now, there is fraud there, obviously, also. I mean, where human beings operate, the fraud creeps in somehow. And, uh, of course, there are laws and regulations which will reduce the scope for fraud, but complete elimination is still an illusion. So I would say, uh, when uh, the world trade collapses as a result of uh, these frauds coming to light, and as a result of permanent backwardation or whatever, barter, taking over. The people will still want to eat, want to get their clothes, their shoes. They want to keep themselves warm in the winter and so on. So those goods, which are absolutely necessary for survival, will have the highest marketability. And the paper or the bill the gold bill will be issued against the production of such goods. And that paper is still the most trustworthy. It's better than a paper with the signature of a hundred prime ministers and a thousand bankers. Because those traders tradesmen who produce the underlying good are committed, and their name is their best, uh, most precious possession. Their good name, which sometimes goes back to hundreds of years, it's in the family. And once that name is blackened, it's finished. They will never be able to issue uh, a gold bill again. So they are very, very conscious of that. And they will not lie as easily as Prime Ministers and central bankers and others. So the way I see the uh, the, uh, end of this crisis which we are rushing headlong into is that the most important consumer goods will still be produced and they will be produced against gold bills. And these gold bills will be uh, at maturity exchange for gold. And more and more goods will that. Then more and more gold will come out of hiding. And, uh, and the bill market is the salvation for the world economy gold bill market. So governments are not helpful, they have been lying too long, they have been cheating and stealing people's gold and silver for too long and they won't have any credibility left. But those people who produce consumer goods will have credibility and if they endorse a paper, a gold bill, then this will be honored. It's really you have to study the history of uh, gold bills, real bills. Uh, Adam Smith is a good place to start. It's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, if you compare the amount of money which was defaulted through bills it's a, a very, very tiny fraction in comparison with the banknotes and government bonds, and the, which were defaulted. It's just very, very tiny. Well, part of it is, of course, physics, that uh, d- these things have only 90 days to mature. So uh, you can lie for 90 days, but then the game is up. But when the government and the central bank issues banknotes or bonds or what have you, the maturity is 30 years away or or never, like in the case of a banknote, supposed to be in circulation forever. Uh, Show me a banknote which was issued, uh, say, 50 years ago, which still is in circulation. You won't, won't be able to. You can go perhaps as fast 40 years, but all the other banknotes have lost all their value, and uh, time is up, I think, I mean, (laughs) I'm not saying tomorrow, but within a few years, I would not give 10 years for the system, so... uh...
1: Hmm? The, uh,
2: The concluding remarks? Yeah, okay. Well, we have come to the end of our session, the first in uh, the British Museum. I hope it's not the last. And uh, we certainly enjoyed the facilities and the nice atmosphere and so on. And I personally uh, have a very good feeling about uh, the group. It was sold out, right? Yes. It was sold out. Now, that's the first.